What do I look like? Some kind of Star Wars geek? Yes, you you look like a Star Wars geek, but you're not. I am not. <laughs> Austin looks like a Naruto fan. <laughs> it's Peloton. That that. Why looks is like it orange and black? Because it's the color of the hoodie I bought. And what's Naruto's colors? I, I don't know. I don't watch anime. I think there's like blue or something. I don't know. He has a headband with a Peloton symbol <laughs> on it. <laughs> 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 all right well, you, uh, let's uh i am recording pull it, pull it up. <laughs> hey yeah. all right good morning good morning good morning san francisco good morning vietnam well, that's, i think that's uh, trademarked i think that's racist what i finally watched the robin williams movie the other oh what'd you watch week uh toys oh, okay i told you guys about that <laughs> i watched um some old interviews of him on um uh, carson and oh my god Yes. The shit they got away with on TV back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let me know when you guys are ready to kick this off. I have an intro re- in mind. I am recording. <laughs> I mean, we don't have a cold intro. We gotta say something funny. I've got it. It was the Naruto thing. Well, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You can't force it, John. Well, you, you guys can. heard it here first. John's ready. John likes to force cold opens. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> intro song. What? <laughs> I'm trying to get us to segue to do lulu intro song. Yeah, I was just gonna be like, here's the intro song, Joe, to set you up. Well, that's new cold open. Yep. John did it. Forced a new one. I told you I could do it. <laughs> I get to choose the cold open, so we'll see what happens. I'll make a better one. In seven seven months from now when this episode airs. We'll make a better one. <laughs> what are you, a spooky ghost? No, I was traveling through time. Welcome to Unqualified Authorities, where we talk about comics, games, TV, movies, and more. I'd like to start this out this week by asking the audience a series of questions. Mm -hmm. What if the definition between reality and fiction wasn't as clear as you would hope? What if the line between sanity and madness could easily be flipped? Where would you find yourself if you had woken up and everyone considered yourself insane? How quick would you be in a padded room? Would you adapt or would you struggle to carry on? How lonely would it be being the last one considered sane as everyone else fell into the mouth of madness? Which is what we're discussing today. John Carpenter's 1994 in the Mouth of Madness. 94? I didn't realize it came out the same year as Stargate. What a coincidence. What? That's, that's it. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, the, in yeah, the Mouth of Madness? We're talking about In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, I probably oh. should have watched the movie then, huh? Yeah. I thought I lost I my did. mind. I did watch that, the movie. Uh, uh, soliloquy? Uh, I'm talking to the audience, so it would be an aside. Aside. Mm. Ah, yes. An unqualified aside, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to touch your leg. Don't touch me, Chris. Introductions? Okay. I did not. Hey, everybody, it's Austin. Chris here. John. And Joe. I'm really proud of you for that one, Chris. Same. Uh, but yeah, like like Joe um, so terrifyingly put a moment ago, uh, this week we're talking about uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is a spooky movie. Spooky is kind of a rough term. It's a, it's a horror film, which nobody horror warned me about. Term. Nobody warned me about it. 
I, I definitely warned you about it. You didn't he say did. it was a spooky the, movie. The cackling at the last end of the last podcast should have been a definite, definite, clear right. indicator. Well, I don't speak cackle. And, um, I mean, you speak Joe, though. Right. Yeah. I probably could have watched this right before I fell asleep or during my sleep. You probably did fall did. asleep during it You probably times. did. I did. At <laughs> yeah, least once. Admit it. I watched it earlier today. I watched it yesterday. When did you watch it? Um, recently, I watched it on... I want to say it was Wednesday night, but I've oh. seen it several times. So, so just a few days ago. I watched it Sunday. Okay, so, all right, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, Joe, this was your pick. So, do you want to kind of lead the sure conversation Give us a on synopsis? It? Quick synopsis of it. Uh, just pulling this storyline off of IMDb. Um, with the disappearance of horror writer Sutter Kane, all hell is breaking loose. Literally, author Kane. It seems has a knack for description that really brings his evil, creepy crawlies to life. Investigator John Trent is sent to um, investigate Kane's mysterious vanishing act and ends up in the sleepy little East Coast town of Hobbit's End. The fact that the towns exist as a figment of Kane's imagination is only the beginning of Trent's problems. So, in case you guys didn't pick up on it, it is a Lovecraftian horror tale it's actually Wes Craven considers it his entry into the Lovecraft mythos and it's kind of funny because the Southern Kane author character is based off of Lovecraft and Stephen King um, I got the King but right they even yep. in the movie were like this isn't Stephen King yeah, yeah this is they, better than Stephen King <clears throat> um, Hobbs End the the kind of portion that takes place there um, is actually based off of Stephen King's short story uh, Crouch End which comes from his 1985, 84 novel, um, New Entries to the Lovecraft Mythos. So this whole thing is very Lovecraftian, obviously, the Cthulhu Mythos and all that sort. Okay. So. Um, I think it was definitely, it felt like a love letter to Stephen King, but very bloody. It can be. For, uh, well, I mean, for like a 90s movie, it was up there. Nowadays, it's nothing. Although, speaking of bloody, the one thing I have to mention is that traditional 90s, I'm a cop shooting a person, firing blanks, and the guy just falls over like he's right. being shot. That that was very cheesy, but very 90s at the same time. Uh-huh. But yeah. then you get all this other blood stuff going on later on. That that one just felt kind of like odd to me to be that kind of choice. Well, I think that was more Wes Craven trying to establish that feeling of discomfort. Again, it, with... It's a lot different with a novel where you can build up that tension slowly over a couple of hundred pages. Well, that was John Carpenter. Yeah, it was John Carpenter. Not Sorry, Wes you're Craven. right. You're right. <laughs> My bad. You mentioned Wes Craven not that long ago. Yeah. Um, sorry, this is John Carpenter's entry into the Lovecraft mythos. Does, so Does he... Because I'm not... This is definitely probably the furthest from uh, genre that I watch mm-hmm. at all. Like This is like probably the very bottom of the list of movies I, I would... Go out of my way to see. I still watched it for the podcast, and it was fine. I'll get. We'll get to that. But like, what other stuff does John Carpenter do that is in the same Lovecraftian? Um, the Thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm. The Prince of Darkness, which ironically, all three of those movies is what he calls his end of the world cycle. Um, it goes The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. Um, pretty much everything else he does is in the same line. The Fog. The Fog. They yeah. live. They Live is a fantastic one if you ever get a chance to see it as well. So it was like, is at the end of every John Carpenter story, is it pretty much, it's the end of the world? 
Um, or it's quite. or it's very close to ending. It can be, yeah. Okay. They so, live is is a little bit different, but most of them is left ambiguous or so straight out. It's it's the so end then times. I want to I want to point out because they talked about all the books that um, Sutter Kane wrote mm-hmm. also ending like in each of the books it was the end of the world. Or the end of humanity or something. It, it leads up to, and In the Mouth of Madness is his last book, which is the same as the movie. And that's supposed to be his end of the world kind of portion of it. Okay. Um, however, if you caught, except for In the Mouth of Madness, all of his books are Lovecraft references. Mm-hmm. Um, In the Mouth of Madness is also a Lovecraft reference. The Mountains of... or Technically. At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. So it's it's... Adjacent, I would say. The the title is adjacent, but it doesn't actually pull from the the story. Well, what line. are the other titles that are more Um hold on, I have this over here. I still I, I would say In the Mouth of Madness is like one of the most close to a Lovecraftian story that's already there. Oh no no no. Although to uh to be fair, when it came to John Carpenter, because I was looking it up to see what other movies he's done, he's also done Halloween mm-hmm. and Escape from New York. Okay. And Big Trouble in Little China. Oh. So, big, big Kurt Russell fan, that guy. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, just thought it was kind of interesting that uh, it, not all of them are that way. Where A lot of the movies I've seen when it comes to John Carpenter have been kind of within the same vein. Sure. Um, are you looking up the book titles? Yeah. I, here we go. Um, Hobbs End Horror, The Feeding, Whisper in the Dark, Something in the Cellar, uh, The Breathing Tunnel, Haunters Out of Time, are direct references to the Dunwich Horror, the Whisper in the Darkness, The Rats in the Wall, The Thing on the Doorstep, The Shadow Out of Time, and The Hunter in the Darkness. Okay, and then I'd say In the Mouth of Madness is pretty much in line with the uh, naming convention. Though, yeah, naming convention-wise. Um, in the Mouth of Madness and um, The Mountains of Madness, they, they totally different kind of... Stories. Story. Right, I was talking about the names. But like the Dunwich Horror <laughs> and the Hobbs End Horror, that matches up pretty well. Okay. Um, even the Pikmin... The hotel that they're talking about, or they're staying at, sorry. Um, that's based off of the Pikmin's model, which it's not terribly close to the story, but there's still a lot of thematic elements like the painting and right. the creature underground. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a pretty good overview of what, what the movie was kind of... Well, well, we haven't really gotten through that. I was uh, gonna... A more direct overview right. is... <laughs> Uh, Trent has to go investigate Sutter Kane's disappearance. He slowly learns that Sutter Kane's has an effect on reality that he can control, and he's trying to get his last book out back to the public, where it can further drive everyone into madness, change them into creatures, and bring about the end of humanity, letting the old ones back into our world, as it were. Right. And he explicitly calls them the old ones, which is a very Lovecraftian thing. Lovecraftian thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know I felt. Like, it was kind of, uh, if, if he writes reality and whatever he writes becomes reality, then he was going to win no matter what. That's kind of the overall feel of, like, cosmic horror, mm-hmm. is your characters don't really have that much effect. The end is coming. The horror is coming. The big scary creature is coming. And there's very little you can do to stop it. Just kind of survive it. So it that does echo into it very well. Um, the Call of Cthulhu is probably the, the biggest deviation from that, just because you got someone ramming a ship into Cthulhu's head, and then he goes back into rallying, and I'm like, eh, I'll do this again in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> That's one that worked on Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But Godzilla's our savior. Yeah, he's something. 
I believe you mispronounced it. It is Jodzilla. Oh yes, Jodzilla. I'm sorry, Jodzilla. Jodzilla. Yep. Um, it it definitely like Lovecraft in general, um, since that's the theme of it. Definitely reminds me of uh, there. There is a uh, as our our listeners probably know by this point. We play a lot of tabletop role playing games, and there's Cthulhu RPGs and stuff. And <laughs> I'm not a big fan because um, it's not my it's not my kind of not scary. Your cup of tea. Yeah, it's not my bag. Um, but not there is man. another game called uh, Ten Candles, where you can apply. It, it's always the end of the world, and the end of the world is 100 percent coming. And uh, you can apply different themes to it. It could be like a Lovecraftian end. It can be like an apocalyptic uh, end with uh, like devils coming from hell or um, a meteor striking the earth or something like that. Or like a zombie apocalypse. It doesn't really matter. Um, but the idea is the end is coming no matter what. And you have ten, ten tea candles at the table. And every time a scene changes, the game master or the storyteller blows out a candle. You start a new scene. And then he goes around the table and asks everybody to name something that is true in the world. So you kind of get that little bit of uh, input from the players. like Kind of like Shotgun Diaries. Kind of like Shotgun Diaries, where, where you're like, all right, what is true in the world? And John might say, well, zombies can't climb ladders. <laughs> <laughs> or or something like that. Um, and or, or you could say, like, um, something else that's true in the world is, we know where we're supposed to go. Doesn't mean you're going to get there by the end of the game. But the end of the game... Um, it it does not end until all the players are dead. The player characters are dead. And your characters are going to die no matter what. So it's basically about telling a good story while you're existing. Yeah. Which, like, when you were explaining, um, you know, just Lovecraftian stories and... Cosmic horror. Cosmic horror and stuff. It was That's what it kind of triggered in my head. It's a really cool game. I think it would be, be a fun one for us to do on the podcast, honestly. So. Yeah. Hey. But... I digress. Um, it it was weird. It was a weird movie. Like, I felt uncomfortable watching it. Like, there's a few points where I was watching it, and my face was like, and uh, my significant other was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just watching a, just watching a movie. <laughs> so, was that feeling over what was happening, or the creatures on screen? Um, the, the guts and the creatures and, like, that kind of stuff isn't what really bothered me. Primarily because it was like early '90s um, cinematography and stuff. Um, there was definitely a few parts like where that part bothered me, but it was mostly just the overarching like story just made me so uncomfortable. Um, and at one point, at the end, I'd mentioned this earlier, but I'll mention it again on podcast. At the end, when he's watching the movie that we just all watched. Mm-hmm. I half expected my like webcam to turn on and have me like it be on me, and then I'm watching me watching the movie. <laughs> or it could be this podcast. Yeah. Maybe this podcast is in the mouth of madness. The podcast. What's funny is um, if you paid attention when he was walking into the theater, uh-huh. um, Sam Neill's and uh, what's her names? Uh, characters? Yeah, their character names were substituted for the actors' names. Oh, yeah, on uh, the poster, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it like even at the the marquee Julie board. Julie Carter. Yeah, the marquee yeah. board at the top said, in the mouth of madness. With John, with John Trent. Tr- uh, Trent, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then on the poster it had him and her, and then mm-hmm. um, the the guy that sent him to the the town, um, the publisher, mm-hmm. he was on the poster. <clears throat> yep. so. But it still listed John Carpenter, and it listed right. everyone else that yeah, the everybody actual else. poster in the theater would have shown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> on the poster, it actually had legit uh, um, the actual crew. What do you think, Chris? You haven't said much. Um, 
it was an interesting movie, but um, for me, the pacing was a bit slow. It does take a while I, uh, to kind of get up and go. I kind of fell asleep, so <laughs> there's a big reveal there. I fall asleep during this movie. Well, Except you fall asleep in pretty much every movie. Yes, it's because yeah, it's you're right. It's because you're gob. It's because of my gob. Yep. Uh-huh. Jod did not bless me with a very <laughs> uh, relaxing gob. <laughs> this is gonna be so confusing for our listeners. That was a mouthful. We're, we're sorry. Listeners. We've been arguing all day uh, about the proper pronunciation of GIF, right? Which is the GIF. proper pronunciation it's GIF. is GIF. It's GIF. RG. I strongly recommend to call it GIF. <laughs> <laughs> Whole new argument there. Yeah. But yeah, so everything that starts with a G um, is we, now a J sound, and it's now a J sound. So Jod. Gob. So, so should I have introduced myself as Gosef? Or just, yes, yeah, gone. go. You're go. I'm gone. You're gone. <laughs> See everybody, I'm gone. You go, you're gone. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. I hate it. That's great. Uh, I love it. Overall, throughout the whole movie, what I remember actually watching, um, I uh, it really took a long time for me to even kind of get to the point where I felt like I was watching a movie for the for a point of watching a movie. At the beginning, it felt like I was forcing myself to do something that I hated. And then uh, about halfway through, I took a nap. Then I woke <laughs> up. And things were picking up. So, you know, I started getting this mystery of all this backstory that I missed. And seeing how this strange coincidence of, oh, look at the books. These books, if you cut the picture out, oh, look how they line up. Oh, it's a state. Okay. Let's go there. Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it, was it was an interesting idea. And, and then uh, as it progressed on in, you know, you start seeing the little, you start getting the little snippets of, oh, you know, something's not quite right here. And you get, uh, then you start getting your even trippier stuff, your painting, as you said earlier. And then uh, whatever weird creatures in the basement. The weird scene that I really didn't need to see of the old lady and the naked dude. <laughs> that was um awkward yep fun fact about that scene um the lady was originally going to be a guy in a rubber suit um carpenter hated how it looked so he got somebody else to make a miniature model the the thing is actually only like five feet tall um or sorry three feet tall and they filmed it that way just kind of cutting in and out really quickly so that way you can get a good perspective of scale um, also speaking of special effects, the wall of creatures that chase Trent out of uh, the little underground area that he's at with uh, Sutter Kane, mm-hmm. that was actually a vehicle. Huh. They wanted to make different animatronics and realized after a while that they could just kind of staple them all onto the front of a small car. Nice. And so as it drives, it moves them and makes them make clawing motions and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, Aside from the special effects, which I'm always a big fan of, practical effects, I liked how the movie explored kind of that descent into insanity. You know, like what it would actually feel like if reality was changing around you, or at least your perspective of reality. Sure. It's a very interesting thing to kind of try and analyze. It definitely had me questioning my sanity (laughs) by the end of the movie. Yeah, no, there was, like I said, there was a small point at the very end. I'm like, is this, is this going to like, loop me into the movie? Am I part of the story? <laughs> John? 
so when it comes to the movie, it was all right, in my opinion. I, I wasn't, like, I watched it. I enjoyed it for what it was. But, like I was telling you earlier, Joe, uh, I'm glad it was only an hour and a half long as compared to a longer movie. But I feel like, it, upon retrospect of saying that, the way they presented a lot of things, it would have helped if it was a longer movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, like, the, the whole reveal when they're in the town that's like, oh, no, we actually did set Sutter Kane away, and this was going to be just a whole publicity stunt, but we have no idea what the hell is going on now. It was presented and then never dealt with again after that. And it was just presented within, like, a five-minute period, and then nothing is said about it ever again. So, but then when he's back with the publisher at the very end, mm-hmm. he never mentions anything like that. So I think that they never actually sent Sutter Kane. And Sutter Kane just wrote that they sent him. Well, that that's the point of it. Yeah. But just the fact that, like, it's brought up as supposed to be this plot point, but it's never really referenced outside of that initial introduction to the plot point. It just felt like they were kind of just stressed for time. But generally... John Carpenter movies aren't really my bag. Sure. I, I was never really a huge fan of a lot of his movies. Um, right. Nothing against him, but just the, the movie really didn't hold a lot of my attention. I mean, I like Sam Neill. He's a, a, a great actor, in my opinion. But then again, that's also coming from the opinion of someone who loves Jurassic Park. Right. Uh, but the movie itself, I just, I just really couldn't get into it. But John, it had one of your favorite actors in it. Sam Neill? No. This was Hayden Christensen's first movie. Okay. What? He was the newspaper boy after Trent is kicked out of uh, Hobbs End. Holy shit. Neat. Okay. Uh, wow. Chris, Chris, what are your final thoughts? Um, it was an okay movie. It's not going on my list of the greatest movies ever, but uh, I'd recommend watching it at least once. Yeah, I agree. That is, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I, I like the movie. I don't normally like this kind of this kind of movie, um, and I definitely I was thinking through the whole movie, like what was those, those kinds of movies that start in medias res where it starts at the end essentially or in the middle of something, and it started with him in the insane asylum, and then it went back and it went through the whole thing. I thought about it, and if they had just went through the whole thing from the beginning to end and then put him in the insane asylum. I thought that would have been stupid, and that would have been just a dumb twist at the end. But they got that at the beginning so that it wasn't a twist. (laughs) And I think it made the movie a lot better. Um, My only other um, small nitpick with it is similar to what John was saying about the pacing. Um, I watched, um, for reference, this is 2021 when we're doing this one. Um, I watched the new Mortal Kombat last night, and then I watched this today. And the pacing and the t- like, the way that they film movies from the '90s to now, is so much different. And I'm like, I was 30 minutes in. I paused to go get a snack, and I'm like, I'm only 30 minutes, and I felt like I've been sitting here for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, oh, I still got an hour left. Okay, um, but yeah. And then I finished it, and it was fine, and it was a good movie. I liked it. Um, I didn't think I was gonna like it about a half hour in, <laughs> but. <laughs> I definitely, I do enjoy movies where there's like layers of like mystery and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was good. Joe, you want to wrap it up with final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I particularly like this movie. It's an excellent example of Lovecraftian horror and cosmic horror. And I love the fact that 
it so clearly demonstrates that you can divorce Lovecraft from his racist history, like the original content, right. and it doesn't fall apart. It's, you know, too many people are very down on Lovecraft stuff just because of that. But this movie shows that you can modify and change it and pretty much just get rid of it, and it still doesn't affect anything. Um, practical effects I loved. Sam Neill was great in it. Um, <laughs> Sam Neill. Uh, it's always one Sam of my Neil. favorite. What? Reach out to us, Sam Neill. We'd love to have Sa- you on. Yeah, yeah. take yourself. <laughs> um, it, one of my favorite sound bites is always going to be that. I'm sorry about the polls. <laughs> in the very beginning, after he kicks the orderly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that, I particularly love this. I encourage anyone who is a fan of Lovecraft, Stephen King, Dean Koontz, um, to Dean give this a look and sit through it. It is it's '90s pacing, unfortunately. But I don't think a longer one would have helped. I think a book based on this sure. would definitely stretch it out. No, no books hit. based on this, Joe. We just watched a whole movie about why you shouldn't have a book about it. Well, then I guess I'll, I'll end this out like I started it with a question. Do you read Sutter Kane? I'm going to say no. This is John. I'm going to say I probably would read Sutter Kane. This is Austin. I don't know what I'd do. This is Chris, signing out. I've already read it. This is Joe. Joe, what's that behind you? Music for tonight's episode, performed and composed by our friend, Crazy Zombie Pig Boy. Find him at twitch.tv. We're good to go. I've been been ready. I'd like to start this out a little bit different. Okay. Oh. And ask the audience. Is it going to be something referencing inside the movie? Yes, it will. Okay. And it would have been a lot better if you hadn't interrupted it. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ, John. (laughs) All right. Do that that take again without John. We're helping you out, Austin. No, you're really not. I think those are questions that need to be answered, you know, just by listening to this podcast in general. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting to that, John. But it's hard to concentrate and keep what I was going to say when you guys look like you're going to be a bunch of giggly bitches. I was uh, fine. I was fine for I, once. Yeah, you, you were. You, you didn't want I us was, to answer those questions? No, not yet. I, okay. no. I was just holding this my mouth. This is the intro, so I thought you were, we're going to have to delete like those last 15 seconds. Right. Yep. Okay, go ahead. And now I've lost my place. <laughs> hold on. Uh, padded room. <clears throat> Would you hold out? lost my place you guys are did you have a script it was in here okay, i, I just wanna... came up with this a little bit ago oh, okay okay all right guys um that was that episode so now we're going to roll for next episode which uh if you remember um was based on different choices so chris and myself have um some options a lot of yours are tv series based yeah <laughs> do we want to we're doing a, an air drum roll for you. So if we if we roll we you, we can substitute a couple. Well, if we roll for you, then let's just go with that movie. Okay. And then if we roll for me, we'll go. Uh, so we'll go evens odds. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and roll the d10. Five odds. All right. So our next, you guys are doing silent uh, drum rolls. Drum rolls. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'd probably pick up at the air drum rolls. The whooshing. Oh god, my shoulder. <laughs> um, yes, that's what's going on with my my forearm. What is B2TF1? Oh, Back, Back to, to the, the Future, future one. one. Yep. Oh. All right. Uh, so we have option of Final Space, Grimm, Star Trek Picard, 
Back to the Future, or The Men Who Stare at Goats. Ooh, Men Who Stare at Goats is a great movie. So which uh, which one do you want to do? Star Trek Picard? So soon mm. after Star Trek, what were decks? Yeah, yeah, we're probably should. So let's, uh, do you want to do Back to the Future, or do you want to do... Let's do The Men Who Stare at Goats. Oh. It's, a, okay. it's yeah. a real classic. Uh, I was thinking about staring at things to death, so... Okay. You know, I'm fine with that. Also, we talked about walking through walls earlier today. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. Next uh, uh, next episode is The Men Who Stare at Goats. Look forward to that. Um, <laughs> bring your foil caps. In hey, a couple of weeks. Obi-Wan, Batman, who can beat it? Ewan McGregor and George Clooney. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.